0: Duty, and this week, uh, some of you know this. Cinnamon got married yesterday, and so today, I'm sorry. Uh, So he's been down. He's doing the ceremony in Virginia Beach, so that's where they are today. So, um, and several you asked about where Suzanne at, and she is actually working furniture market today. Um, She did not to do it all week since she's got a full time job now. So, um, but she did do this weekend, and that's where she is let you know about that. Today we're going to look at the book of Proverbs and we're going to look um, in chapter 3 and the book of Proverbs, we're sort of going to go line by line here in in chapter 3 for a little bit. The book of Proverbs has a lot of stuff, a lot of great nuggets, things on wisdom and health and relationships and finances. There's so many things and you can go You go from one verse from one thing to the next verse to another thing. Um, And so we're going to look at chapter 3, 1 through 12. Um, The book of chapter 3, Proverbs, is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. And uh, so let's pray. Lord God, we just come before you right now. We thank you for being here in our midst today. And so we just pray that you will continue to do what you started. Lord God, I pray that you would just use me as a mouthpiece and I uh, just pray that you would just give me the mind of Christ and help me to convey what you want to convey to your people, Lord God, give them an open heart, give them ears to hear what you have specifically for them in Jesus name. Amen. Well, we're going to start in Proverbs chapter three, verse one. We're going to go through um, number 12, but I don't know if we can get there today, so we may not be able to get through all this today. but says my son do not forget my teaching but let your heart keep my commands for they will bring you many days a full life and well-being never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you tie them around your neck write them on the tablets of your heart then you will find favor and high regard in the sight of God and man trust in the lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding think about him in all your ways and he will guide you on the right path don't consider yourself to be wise Fear the Lord, turn away from evil. This will be healing to your body and strengthening to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your entire harvest. Then your barns will be completely filled, your vats will overflow with new wine. Do not despise the Lord's instruction, my son, and do not loathe his discipline. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, just as the Father he delights in. So, you know, the first couple of lines here in, in Proverbs. It's just sort of setting the stage, talking about, don't forget my teachings. And if you follow them, you will have, a. Uh, I think other passages say, a long life um, and a good life, or, you know, along those lines. And then we get into uh, verse 3. And I'm going to, because the NASB is not on our system, I'm going to read you a couple of um, verses from the NASB, because There's some words in there that I like. Instead instead of saying, never let loyalty and faithfulness, it says, never let kindness and truth leave you. Tie them around your neck, write them on the tablets of your heart, then you will find favor and high regard in the sight of God and man. Now, isn't that what we want? We want not only to be in favor with God, but also in favor with the world, right? Right? So if you have in favor with God, you're in favor with him. If you're in favor with man, now you're in favor with the world. And so we want to be able to walk in that area. Um, And here, you know, I think when you look at the kingdom of God, it's all about balance. The older I get, I realize it's all about balance in your life, okay? And when you start to get a little bit out of balance, that's where things get out of whack. Now... As I'm setting this up today, be with me because it's going to be a building process, all right? This is going to be a little brick by brick. It's going to take a while to sort of see what's going on here, but stay with me, okay? Don't gap out, all right? Stay with me. Um, so as we, as we go along here, we're talking about um, balance. I will say this, that there are going to be times in your life that you will be out of balance. If you have young kids and twins, I promise you, you'll be out of balance, Okay? When you have young children, there's going to be some out of balance. If you're going through a health struggle, you may be out of balance for a time, okay? But what you want to do, we want to get into a position where we're in balance the best we can. And he, right here, is talking about kindness and truth, all right? And so we want to, be, it's almost like, you know, I've studied a lot of people's skill books and how to deal with people, and, you know, they always tell you, if you want to tell something, somebody, something with truth in it, you do the sandwich version, Right? You give them the bread, which is the kindness and love. Then you give them the truth, which is the meat. Then you put on top the lettuce, tomato, ketchup, and whatever, and bread. And then you give them kindness, and, then, and they can receive and eat it that way. All right. Instead of just throwing the meat at them. All right. And so here he's he's saying we need to deal with people in kindness and truth. Well, it's a, even in like evangelism or whatever. Obviously, we're told to take care of the poor and those type different situations. And if, if sometimes if we go in and we just go in with the gospel, but we don't meet the need of the people, then they're not open to the gospel sometimes, all right? Or we are so nice and friendly and all that that we don't, you know, we, we feed them and we get them all fat and happy, but if we don't bring the gospel, they go to hell fat and happy, all right? So there's a balance, okay? And so what God is starting to say here. Is that we have to make sure that we're in balance, and sometimes we tend to do the Christianese type of things. We go to every Bible study we can, every life group, every conference, all those things, and but we're never giving out. So we're always putting in, but we're never giving out, and that's not good either because you got to get you got to reach lost, all right. And that's that's the purpose of the cross, right? You have this vertical relationship in the cross, which is your relationship with God. Then you have this horizontal relationship with the cross, which is your relationship with people, okay? And sometimes in Christian circles, we tend to give out, give out, give out, give out, but if we don't have this right, we're going to give out of ourselves, we're going to give out of our experiences, we're going to give out of things out of us, and we're going to do it out of a dry well, instead of that having that relationship balance all the way through. Does that make sense? Okay? So... What, what we want to make sure is that we're, we're keeping balance. And I think sometimes, you know, pastors and people that minister run into this sometimes because we all want the kingdom to advance, and we know people have a call in their life. But if they are, are going, 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 going at the expense of losing their marriage, losing their family, then your balance is out of whack, okay? You do have a call in your life, but you also got to have balance there too. All right, And so God is constantly working and doing balance and making sure that, that we got things right. We're gonna, let's go to um, verse 5 and 6, and I'm also going to read this. You can have it on the screen, Andy, but I'm going to read this out of the ASB 2 So it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And this is sort of the main focus of what I'm going to be talking about in this scripture. You know, I was looking up because the heart comes up several times in this passage. And I was, so I went and tried to look and see, what does the heart mean as far as like a biblical definition? And it says, the inner self that thinks, feels, and decides. In the Bible, the heart is that which is a central to the person. Nearly all the references in the heart in the Bible refer to some aspect of human personality. But I think sometimes in Christian circles and even in secular circles, we tend to elevate knowledge and intellect way above what it should be in, in normal life. And so what happens is we tend to trust our own intellect and our own ways of doing things above what God can do in, in doing faith. and do in faith. And I'm not saying intellect is wrong. I'm not saying knowledge is wrong. Okay, if you're going to find out something about a subject or something you don't know, you're going to gather all the information you can, get everything you can so you can make a qualified decision, right? If you have a home and you have to fix something around the home, I bet YouTube is a fabulous thing for your life, okay? Saves us thousands of dollars, all right? But even on that, when we were doing some floors in our house several years ago and our, we had to take the toilet out in the bathroom it didn't tell me how to get this one screw out, all right? And we're struggling and spending all this time and all this stuff until I finally went to the Lord. It was like me and Suzanne. It's like, bing, it went off at the same time. And it was like, well, let's pray about it, all right? And then he gave us the wisdom to handle that screw that wasn't on the video, all right? So all the knowledge didn't do me any good if I can't get the toilet out, all right? So, uh, so you got to have the balance as far as what's going on there. Um, One of the gifts that the Lord has given me is the ability to see the big picture, okay? Now, in coaching, that's awesome, okay? But in teaching or dealing with relationships or ministries, he's allowed me to see the big picture. Let me explain that as far as coaching. A lot of people see a game almost like um, it's a movie scene, all right? So they're in the moment. What's going on right now? So my players are in the moment. The fans are in the moment. But I, as a coach, have to see it as a movie, okay? I got to see it as how many fouls do my guys got on them? How many fouls does our team have on them? When do I call a timeout? When, you know, when do I rest guys? Do I have somebody that's hurt that cannot necessarily go all game if I use them all in the first half, you know? And so there's this chess match with coaches, all right, I'm trying to implement my game plan for that game. He's trying to implement his game plan. And so all these things are factors that I'm going off and I'm seeing the movie the whole time where well, everybody else is seeing a scene, okay? But one of my flaws is that I have to coach with my head and my heart, okay? And I tend to sometimes coach with my heart more than my head sometimes because I trust I see what my players are doing in practice. I see what they, I know what they can do. And sometimes I trust that more than I trust the facts. That's why you have stats. It's because I got to know my guy, what kind of shooting percentage my guys got from the foul line. I don't want at the end of the game when we're up by five and they're fouling us to have five guys on the court that shoot 50%, okay? Even if it's my starters, okay? So I have to take the facts and the statistics and I have to use that. So I have to constantly remind myself as a coach when I go into a game, don't just coach your heart. You've got to coach your head. And there's got to be this balance. Okay? But there's also that time when you know you need to make the right sub, the right call, the right whatever to win the game. And it doesn't statistically line up, but you've got to make that call. Right? Anybody here like um, Major League Baseball, or watch baseball? Okay? If you've seen recently uh, in games, they do these shifts in baseball, where a batter comes up, and all of a sudden, they got almost four infielders on one side of the field, all right? Three in the infield, one in um, out in the outfield, and then they got three outfielders. And it's like, what in the world are they doing, okay? They're going by stats and figures that, that say this guy is going to hit the ball this, this the percentage of the time in this area, and we're going to cover it, okay? And so... Knowledge and intellect is great, but you can't necessarily depend on on that all the time. You've got to have this balance of heart and intellect. Um, And so that's where um, this next verse talks about do not lean on your own understanding. Do not lean on your own understanding. Um, when When you look at that word as far as lean, it means to support. So if I, if this podium was supporting me, that means I'm leaning everything on this podium with that in, in mind. And so I got to make sure that I don't lean all, always on all my understanding. Um, but sometimes we allow our intellect to get out of balance and, and make decisions for us, and that, that, that means. If I can explain... Everything in my Christian walk, I now bring God down to my level, okay? My past experiences, um, things I've learned, all those things, and I now bring God down to where I am, and we don't want that, okay? Um, It's almost like if you've ever been in a meeting where God just shows up, and you're sitting in a particular seat, and worship's going on, and it's just awesome. It's almost like it's just you and the Lord, okay? Okay? Worship's going on, and you're with him and he's just singing. You're just singing directly to him, you know. A sermon or message is given, and you—it's like God is just speaking directly to you. You know, maybe there's some prayer time after, and just like it's almost like the meeting was called for you, and everybody else just showed up. All right, and and so whatever you were going through at that time, God just met that need. All right, maybe three months, a couple years down the road, maybe you have something similar going on in your life, and sometimes with our own intellect. We try to create that same environment that happened the last time we sit in the same chair. We hope they play the same three songs. We hope the message is similar so that God can get me out of my situation this time, right? But God doesn't put new wine in old wineskin, okay? He puts new wine in new wineskin. And so we have to make sure that we do not lean on our own understanding. It's very important that we have the mysteries of God working in our life all the time. What is the mysteries? It's those things that we can't explain but only can happen by God. It's as our faith is is engaged with God, and he moves like your eagle, all right? That's a mystery of God happening, okay? You didn't expect that. You didn't know what was going to happen. You may not even be praying for it, but God showed up, right? Unexplainable, Okay? And we have to have the mysteries of God in our life in order to increase our faith and our dependency on who he is. You know, naturally there's going to be over our lifetime, you know, if you look back 10 or 15 years, God has brought you along in some areas and you've grown in him and you've moved forward. But there's always those things that, that cannot be explained, that can only be explained by God that we need to have in our life and it our trust. Daniel two twenty eight says, But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. Daniel two forty seven says that the king said to Daniel, Your God is indeed God of gods, Lord of kings, and revealer of mysteries. Ephesians one nine says, He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he planned in him. And so as we look at this verse again, trust in the Lord. With all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. When God is saying acknowledge, he is saying encounter, an encounter with him, okay? Now, when you think of, like, celebrities or singers or athletes, we know all about their life, supposedly, okay, because they're out in front, but we don't really know them, right? Right? Because there's no encounter, all right? We might know about them. They have no clue who we are, okay? But there's no encounter. There's no heart sharing. There's nothing give and take. It's just we're knowing about them, all right? And that's just what they want to know, okay? But what an encounter is, if we, when we acknowledge him, we are going to encounter him. We're going to have an interaction. We're going to have a sharing with him. And we're now communicating with the Lord. So now let's read the scripture. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him or encounter him and he will make your path straight. You know, how, how do we trust or encounter the Lord? You know, what does that look like? Um, if we are trusting the Lord, we are letting him into every part of our lives, our marriage, our fathering, our mothering, our job, our relationships, our hobbies, all the, we're letting him into all those things, okay, and it's almost like it's becoming the person you never wanted to become, I think, the person who prays about everything, prays for the parking spot, prays for your hobbies, prays for your marriage, prays for your relationships, how do I spend this money, okay. Should I eat this, which I haven't surrendered yet. I'm working on that, okay? Um, it's, all, it's becoming that person that now is encountering and believing and praying about everything, not just when we come to church, not just in the morning, not just over our food. It's praying about everything, okay? So let's start to walk through what, what does that look like, Um. So I, the Lord changed some things. Like I got to make my papers in the right, right order, okay? Um, so as we're, we're trusting God to unlock the mysteries, Is if you are a, um, we got a lot of teachers in this room. Every teacher, raise your hand. Okay, a lot of teachers, okay? If you're a teacher and you're trusting in the Lord and acknowledging him, you are now bringing him into your classroom because he is the great teacher, all right? He created history, right? He created science. He created math. He knows your kids. He understands their struggles. He knows their situations at home that we don't. And what you're doing as you're praying and you're believing for him to come in and co-labor with you, that you're now inviting him in and to encounter him so that he now reveals those things to us so that we can now unlock those mysteries. Okay? You know, when I was a student, I don't really remember praying a whole lot for my, I don't think in high school I did. I may have thrown a God a bone in college every now and then, so, you know, God help me on this exam that I didn't prepare for, you know. I don't really remember that, but I do, when I took um, some classes at Kings Park, we had this thing called VLI, and it was a two-year, three-year process of people that either wanted to go into ministry or for lay people to really trained them up, things like church history and evangelism and all you know the whole spectrum. It was a really, really intense uh, course at that time. We had a lot of reading to do, but that was the very first time I can honestly say, on a test, I really encountered him and trusted him. And God, it was like he laid out my notes every time. I I couldn't believe it. Okay, it was literally like he put the notes there, and here was my test. And I just had to copy my notes right there. Okay. Because I finally trusted it. I didn't throw God a bone because I didn't study for this part and he helped me on things I didn't do, all right? I, I'm now bringing him into to the situation that I'm in, okay? So as a teacher, you do that. You know, if, if you're in business, okay, God created a business system. He owns it all. Ask him to teach you the systems and things or maybe even to create new systems or maybe to create um, inventions Or new ways of doing things because he has all those for you, but we don't ask and we don't encounter and we don't believe. They're out there for somebody else. Okay? I guarantee there's going to be new forms of energy coming. It's just a matter who is going to tap into that that's going to now create that for this country. Okay? Um, You know, in marriage, you know, he's the God of covenant. Covenant why would we not go to the God of covenant and bring him into our marriage? You know? Um, I was talking to a a friend of mine. Him and his wife were going through some stuff and some communication things. And as we were talking, I just said, you know, when the area they're struggling is communication. then there's some times when they're talking, all of a sudden things get a little stirred up, you know, emotions get in there, past hurts or whatever is revealed. I said, grab your wife's hand and pray right then. Don't let the devil... Get in the way of the conversations and let the, those things stir up in both of you as you're trying to do Grab her hand and pray right now. And now everything starts to go down and you can now communicate, okay? If maybe you and your wife are having some problems in intimacy, how about praying before you have sex? Yes, I said sex in church, okay? The devil's saying it all the time. In the wrong way, okay? God created sex, all right? So if you don't, if this is how you bring God into relationship, all right? He's seeing it anyways. Why don't you let him be a part of it, okay? Okay, I hope I would come back on that one, all right? But, you know, we were, um, spring break, we had a fence around our house, and we had to put up new gates, okay, Um, and I'm almost here, so um, Janet's uh, my wife's mom, and so she knows that we're not necessarily real good at cutting boards and all those type of stuff, okay, we did build a ninja warrior course for Cade and Troy, all right, it wasn't a full, it was, you know, several different things, now from afar, it looks really good, (laughs) the closer you get, you start seeing some bad angles and some bad cuts, okay, and some poles laying that we made adjustments on, all right? Covered up some of that with paint, we're good, okay? Now they don't use it, all right, after we build it, all right? But, so we're supposed to build, we're going to build this gate because the gates are falling down, okay? So in the morning, before I'm going going out to do this, I'm praying to the Lord, Lord God, you're the God of Nehemiah. Nehemiah rebuilt the walls and rebuilt the gates, and I'm asking you to rebuild these for me. Because I had two poles that did not, Necessarily line up that I'm building these gates on. One were just weathered and so forth. So one's straight and one's leaning. So there's no practical way that they should line up. Okay, and he also knows my expertise in cutting and measuring. So he knows that isn't going to be good. But I every morning before we started going out there, I went to the Lord and trusting Him and acknowledging Him and went to encounter Him so that He makes everything line up, and He did. And we got our gates. Okay, but I want to bring Him into our environment. You're bringing him into the things that you're doing. That's how we trust and acknowledge. Um, You know, he wants to be a part of everything in your life. Everything. Okay? He wants to be a co-laborer with you. Um, But we got to make sure that we trust in him because what happens is when we start to trust in the Lord with all our heart, Now our ego starts going away. Our self-centeredness goes away. All those things about us that we get in the way of him now is starting to go down and he's being exalted. And that's what we want, right? Um, Let's go to verse 7. I don't know if we'll get all this done today. but Verse 7, don't consider yourself to be wise. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. This will be healing to your body and strengthening to your bones. Um, You know, Michael last week talked about who's your favorite Bible character. Mine mine is Joseph in the Bible, um, the son of Jacob. You know, and Joseph endured 10 years of slavery for fearing the Lord. You know, sometimes we can't even go through a day or a month, and he did 10 years because he feared the Lord. Um. You know, and, and we, I'm not going to go through the whole story, and you can go look at that in Genesis and, you know, about Joseph having to coat of many colors, and his brothers put him in to, uh, sold him to slavery, and he went in Potiphar's house and was raised up. But when he had this encounter with, with Potiphar's wife, and she wanted to sleep with him, and Joseph cornered him, you know, his response was, how can I do this great wicked thing and sin against God? And he runs away from her, runs away because he fears the Lord, And he gets accused and thrown in prison, you know. And I just sort of got thinking, you know, what would have happened if he didn't have the fear of the Lord on him? Would not only his family or that nation, would they have been saved if he didn't have the fear of the Lord? I don't know. And I was reading a book on the fear of the Lord, and and, and it had... Three signs, I thought this was really good. Three signs you are drifting from the fear of the Lord. Number one, you're complaining. And it said complaining is the, short, the shortcut, the life of God, and you don't like what God is doing in your life. Second sign of drifting from the fear of the Lord is resisting the word. To know God is to obey him and even when it's not to our advantage. The third is insubordinate to God's authority or leadership, those covering you. You know, Moses told the Israelites that they, their complaints were not against him. They were against the Lord, and he was covering them. You know, so the fear of the Lord actually draws us closer to God. It does not push us away. It draws us closer. The fear of man pushes us away, but the fear of God brings us closer. Um, we were talking to my oldest son, Andrew, who's in California, and and they go to a, him and his wife go to a great church there. But and he grew up sort of non-den, non-denominational churches with Kings Park and here and and so and and the one they're going to is very similar, I think. And he came to find out in himself that he was not really having the fear of the Lord on him like he should. And so his wife's a nurse, so she works every other weekend. So those weekends, he was actually going to an Episcopal church. And, and he said, I'm getting the fear of the Lord back because now there's a lot more reverence when you come in. They read, they read from hymnal, I mean, sing from hymnals and those type of things. And there's a lot more reverence as far as that because he was losing that in his life. And now he's realizing what the fear of the Lord is again, okay? And so we got to make sure, just like this verse says, you know, talking about um, don't consider yourself to be wise, fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. This will be healing to your body and strengthening to your bones. And then we'll just cover... We'll just cover one more verse and then we'll, we'll stop here. It says, honor the Lord with your possessions and from the first fruit of your entire harvest. Then your barns will be completely filled and your vats will overflow with new wine. You know, after Moses died and Joshua, um, they were taking the Israelites into the promised land, Was there was 10 cities that were set up for the Israelites to take. Jericho was actually the tithe, Okay, in, in, in Joshua six seventeen through 19, um, it says, but the city and everything in it are set apart for the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and everyone in, in her house will live because she hid the men that were sent. But keep yourselves from the things and set apart or you will be set apart for destruction. If you take any of those things, you'll be set apart to the camp of Israel for destruction and bring disaster on it. Verse 19 says, for all the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and, and iron are dedicated to the Lord and must go into the Lord's treasury. Verse 21 says, they burned up the city and everything in it, but they put the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the Lord. And here, what it's saying, honor the Lord with your possessions and the first fruit of your harvest. First fruits are the tithe, okay? Okay. And so the tithing or first fruits of your income, it is, it is a spiritual discipline. The tithing of your gross, of your income, is a spiritual discipline that you have to make sure that you do. This is before your bills and expenses are paid. This is before that. And it's not giving him the leftovers, it's giving him the first. Um, and you may say, oh, Craig, that's, that's Old Testament, okay? That's not for today. You're right, the New Testament says they give it all. So... You got the choice on that one, okay? So either give it all, or you give ten percent. So, um, but that's what the early church did; was they gave it all. And you know, I talk to people all the time about this, and there's still this fighting about this in their lives, and they're just missing out on the blessings of God. And you know, you may say, "Well, this is," you know, "this is a message because the church needs your finances." No, we don't need your finances. God needs your heart. He don't need your finances, and if you're not tithing, it's not the church. You're not hurting the church. You're hurting yourselves. Okay, and it's interesting that after this verse comes, you know, so you've gone full circle. talk about balance and all that type of stuff, and then, and we're not going to go into this. But then, the next verse talks about, "Do not be despised by the Lord's instructions, my son, and do not loathe his discipline." For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, just as a father, the son, and who he delights. And we're, because of time, we're going to stop there today. But, um, you know, the crux of this scripture, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. You know, I was also reading in Psalms um, 44, 6, and 7, it says, For I do not trust in my bow... And my sword does not bring me victory, but you give the victory over my foes. And you look at that scripture, and he had a bow. He had a sword. He had the things to go to battle, but he let the Lord do it, not him. And we have to make sure in this scripture in Proverbs is that we are trusting in the Lord, acknowledging him, encountering him, and bringing him into everything about if. You have hobbies and you're a fisherman, guess what? The God was a fisherman. Now, sometimes you may pull a gold coin out of a fish every now and then, and I'm sure you'll take that too, right? But he was a great fisherman. Why not put all those things underneath his trust so that we can acknowledge him and he start to work in our lives in everything that we do? Amen? All right, let's pray. Lord God, we just come before you today and we just, we just thank you that we can trust in you and that not only are we supposed to engage you with our heart and our intellect and have balance in that, but we thank you that there's so many mysteries that, that increase our faith as we call on the name of the Lord that you meet us exactly where we are. And so we just come before you today and we just ask that you would just continue to do that, Lord. I pray that this scripture will get deep down in our heart and that will just keep coming to our memory all the time. Lord, I pray for those in here that maybe when they hear that word trust, that sometimes there's a, they feel very uncomfortable because maybe there's been people in their life that... Um, that has broken that trust, and and I just pray that that uh, that you will really meet those people and start to to break off those things that 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 have hurt them in whatever way, whether it's relationships, whether it's some kind of financial deals, whatever that may be. Maybe it's um, from a parent. Lord God, I pray that you will bring healing and that trust will be restored because it's restored by you. Lord, I pray for those that, that maybe heard the thing on tithing and and, um, and they've been struggling to trust you in that, and I pray that, that you will help them to trust in you. And so we just come before you today. We are so thankful that we can come in and sit at your feet and allow you to teach us right from your hand. And so we just thank you today. We just we just praise you today and just ask you to continue to work in this week in our lives, Lord God. And I pray that you will give us situation after situation that we can turn to you, acknowledge and encounter you and bring that into our world. As on kingdom of heaven, is come down and invade our life. So we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Do we have any prayer counselors? If, if you need prayer, don't leave without getting prayer today. If trust is an issue that you're dealing with, make sure. I'll, I'll be up here. Somebody else will be up here. Make sure you come and get prayer today. Amen. Hey, Anything?